I saw several of our young people's eyes light up when he says Belgium. I think they were probably thinking about the waffles, you know, maybe go get a waffle over there or something. Romans chapter 12 tonight. Let's jump right in. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read probably the most familiar passage here, verse number one, verse number two. Just remain seated tonight as we jump right into the message, if we could. I know it's Wednesday. I appreciate you being here. A lot of you get off work. I know a lot of our young people tonight are back with Joy Club and Masters Men. Pray for them as they're out. And good to have a lot of our people tuning in. I can see earlier there's a lot of folks already getting ready for the service. We thank for their faithfulness, uh, those that can't be here who do uh, tune in anyway. Romans chapter 12, look down to verse one, and I'll begin reading. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege again, Lord, to open your word. Help us tonight with it. Uh, Lord, I know what you've given me, but Lord, I pray you'd help me present it in a way that is clear. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd make it clear to us in our hearts and how we need to respond to it. And I pray that, Lord, you'd bless the invitation time to come in a few minutes in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't recall where I was the other day, but uh, I noticed someone staring at my lapel pin, maybe in the elevator at the hospital or maybe at the hospital, and someone asked exactly what my pin meant. Uh, And I remember telling them that was the theme for our church for 2022. Our theme is now, out of John chapter 4, verse 23, that now is the time. After a time of being out because of COVID and disruption because of COVID, now was the time for us to be about finding and fulfilling the will of God, hence the signs on our wall. But the more I begin to think about it, the truth of the matter is it really goes beyond a theme, doesn't it? It's our prayer that now would not just simply be a theme that we're trying to live according to for 12 months, for 52 weeks. My prayer is that now would be a burden more so than a theme. It would be something that, yes, we're excited about, but something that uh, goes far past excitement into something that burdens us uh, into action. I can tell you tonight, as a pastor, I would rather you be spiritually burdened about the will of God that is now than for you to be emotionally excited, okay? I would rather you be spiritually burdened, which, by the way, may not always produce a smile. There are times I'm burdened about people, I'm burdened about lost people, burdened about families that are struggling, burdened about young people, uh, and that burden doesn't always produce a smile. As a matter of fact, sometimes a burden produces a broken heart. Sometimes a burden will take away your smile. But I pray tonight that our burden for now would be so much so that it motivates us into action. And by God's grace, I've seen a lot of that already in the first few months of this year. Seen a lot of our people stepping up, being willing to say, okay, I want to find my now. I want to fulfill my now. God's will for us here at Central Baptist Church. And that's exciting to see people doing that. We want it. But oftentimes, here's what I see. I see people get excited about it, get on board with it, and we want to do it, but we can't. We can't. We have a desire to. We have a drive to. We have a hunger to. But something holds us back from moving forward into what God wants us to do in his service. Now, look at the end of verse number one. It shows you the goal of our now is that last word. It is service. I want to serve. I want to be a part of the will of God. I want to serve now. Now, as a young person, I don't want to wait until I'm old, like 42. 
I want to serve right now in my life. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Okay, I want to. I have a hunger and a desire to do that. And we try to, but something seems to be holding us back. Uh, This week, I can't recall if it was someone in this room. If it was, I'll give you credit. Just remind me later. Or maybe someone else I follow on social media. And they showed this this GIF, or some people call them GIFs. Uh, That's an ongoing battle, what they really are. And it's it's a GIF, what I call them, of a dog. Can we play that right quick? Uh, There's this dog, and he has a stick in his mouth. And this dog is trying to cross this bridge. He knows where he wants to go, and he knows what he wants to do. Will it play, or is it just going to be a still shot? All right, still shot. Okay? And this dog keeps running into this bridge. He knows where he wants to go. He knows where his master's at, because obviously his master's holding the camera, And he wants to get to his master, but every time the dog tried to move forward, something was holding him back. And the dog was not going to be able to move forward with what he hungered and desired to do until he got rid of that stick. That's what was holding him back from moving forward. Now, in Romans chapter 12, we know this passage very well. Paul is instructing these believers in how to move forward in the will of God for your life. Now, I pray that's your desire tonight. I want to move forward with it. These dear folks that are with us here, uh, they're moving forward with God's will for their life, going from Costa Rica to Belgium. Now, here's the good news. The odds are that's not the same step you're going to have to take. Amen? You're like, whew, what a relief. But I promise you, God wants you to move forward. And you desire to. You hunger to. You may even get excited about it, and yet you're like that dog. You kind of move forward, and something keeps stopping you. I believe tonight, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we're going to try to expedite this, but you need to see exactly what Paul is saying. It shows us how we can move forward. Notice the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. All right? There's the what. There's what God wants. All right? I want you to be a living sacrifice. So he shows them what? But the second part is what we've got to key in on tonight. He follows up with a very, very critical word. He says, I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he uses one of the worst words in all of Christendom, the word holy. Holy. Very few words can stir up such a variety of emotions than the word holy. There's not, there's not that many words all in Scripture that are more polarizing than the word holy or the word holiness. And yet you read the Word of God from the Garden of Eden all the way to the church of Laodicea, you will find that the struggle that God's people have in moving forward is holiness. Holiness. That was the struggle for Eve, staying separated from what God said don't touch. The church at Laodicea, what was their problem? It was holiness. By the way, if you go by dispensations, we are that church. We have that same problem that they have. Now, tonight, I believe the Bible gives us three indispensable truths on why holiness still matters. Now, for those of you who haven't turned me off, I beg you, don't turn me off just yet, okay? I'm not going to preach my opinion. We're going to preach the word of God and then let it fall where it may. Tonight, we're going to look at the subject of the hang-up with holiness, the hang-up with holiness. Holiness. Now, here's what's amazing. You look at this verse. Paul is showing them, all right, this is what God wants from you. This is God's will, all right? God shows us the what. 
Then right after he shows us the what, he shows us the how, and he begins with that dirty little word of holiness. Now, you've got to understand this tonight. We will never fulfill our service to God without being holy to God, right? What does verse 1 end with? It ends with service, okay? You will never make your way to service unless you start with holiness. Look, I don't believe these verses were put here in a random order. All right, my wife will give me a, a grocery list to go to uh, Walmart or something to get for her, and I gladly do that for her when she doesn't do a Walmart pickup. Uh, and as I go up and down the aisles, I don't go in any particular order. As I see it, I just grab it. And I check things off as I see them. Uh, she goes in order. She knows the aisles, alphabetized, color besides, and all of that down through there. She's got it in plan. I'm just random grab. Sometimes I'll make five laps around Walmart getting everything because I have no order. I see some of you ladies right now thinking, oh, Lord, how does he do it? That's the way a man thinks, okay? I am not a woman. I nailed that down. I know we're struggling with that in 2022, but I've nailed that down in my life, okay? There's a reason holy is mentioned first. There's no mistake. He tells you what he wants, and then he shows you how you're going to get it. You can't do an end around around holiness. It matters to God. Notice, first of all, tonight, holiness readies us for service. What does verse 1 end with? It ends with the the word service. He is getting them ready to be used in the service of God, to be used in the will of God. That's what we desire. But understand this. In order for us to fulfill our reasonable service unto God, you can't do it without holiness. I know that's not a popular topic in 2022, but it's still in the Word of God. They haven't erased it yet. Now, folks, if it still matters to God, it's got to matter to us. Now, understand, finding your now and fulfilling your now, all of that is important. But you can't do it aside from holiness. I want to show you tonight, holiness readies us for service. Now, 2 Timothy 2.21, we know this verse very well, but watch how this locks in with Romans 12.1 and 2. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's display. No. By the way, holiness is not so you can be on display better than somebody else. That was never God's intention for holiness, okay? That's where we get off being Pharisees when we think that our holiness, it shows us that we're better than other people. No, it just shows what God did for us, okay? That's what holiness does. But the Bible says that when we purge ourselves, if a man therefore purge himself, that means I've got to separate from some things in order to be meet for the master's use. Now, what is now all about? It's about being used of God. Isn't that a hunger in your heart tonight? If you're saved, you're born again, child of God, there should be something inside of all of us that desires to be used. I want to be used in the master's service. Hey, God says, wonderful, be holy. Be holy. Get this tonight. The truth of the matter is there's always a level of separation if we desire to be used of God. There's always a level of separation. I'll give you an example. I thought about this today. Great example I think we'll all relate to. How many of you have seen this sign before? I'm sure we've seen it somewhere or the other. How many of you have seen that? We've all seen it. Where do we usually see that? On the aisle at Walmart? I don't think so. Do you see that there sitting at the table at Chick-fil-A? I don't think so. The last time I saw one of those, I saw them as I was walking out of the restroom. And it's got this, this legalistic rule here. Notice, employees must wash hands before returning to work. 
Can I ask you something? Do you appreciate it when they do? Do you not appreciate it when they don't? Absolutely. There's a very important word right there. It's the word before. Before. What if they say, you know what? Look, I'm going to wash my hands, but I'm going to make a few burgers first. No way, man. No, I'm wa- I will walk right out of there even if I've paid for it. I'm walking out of there. You mean there's an order to it? You want them to get cleaned up before they make, their, make your food? I mean, the audacity of it. That you would want them to wash their hands before they go in the process of making your food. You're like, yeah, that's just reasonable service. God says, amen. Now, the sad thing is, we put more importance on our hamburgers than we do our service. Why? Because we want clean hands to put together our food But we offer God just what we got at the moment, and God should not expect us to be holy. There's a reason it starts with holy in the description and ends with the word service. Watch this, Proverbs 25, 4. The Bible says, take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Notice those first two words, take away. Remember, being used of God and being useful to God always involves a level of separation, okay? What does it say? Take away the dross. What is the dross? It's the impurities. God says if you want that vessel for the finer or the refiner that's going to be used, there's got to be some separation. It says taking away. Moses, Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, what does the Bible say? He said, draw not nigh thither. God says, whoa, Moses. Stop right there. Well, what was it? Moses had to learn the password. God's secret password to come forward? No. Watch what he says. Draw not nigh thither, put off thy shoes. The place where on thy standest is holy ground. So here's God telling Moses, Moses, I want you to come hither, but before you come hither. He says, stop right there. Stop dead in your tracks. Can I tell you tonight, God wants to know us to know the same message. We want to find our now. We want to fulfill our now. We want to be used in service. But God says, stop right there. Be holy first. I want you to separate from something. Does it mean you're going to be perfect? Not at all. If that was the case, I wouldn't be standing here tonight. I'm sure I've had to apologize to a couple of people this week already. Why? Because I'm human and I live in a flesh body and it doesn't like holiness. But if I truly desire to serve God, I've got to learn. What does it say? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, watch close, from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Notice the separation there. We're cleansing from. Now, I know this is not preached in mainstream Christianity today. That's why we have no power in mainstream Christianity today. Because we have abandoned the doctrine of holiness that God still requires and demands it in our life. He demands we purge ourselves from. That means a level of separation. By the way, you're going to have to fight it. Why? Because it's kind of like magnets. You've got something inside of you that gravitates toward unholy things. Men love darkness rather than light. I'm attracted to it. Why? Because our works, our deeds are evil. I was reading in the Old Testament today. Beautiful, beautiful picture of this, even in the Old Testament. You study out the Passover. We know of the Passover. We probably studied it. Maybe you've seen one, uh, the, the steps of it walked through in a demonstration before. You think about the Passover. That sacrifice, that lamb, was a firstborn male. And when it was born, watch it was separated from the rest. 
Why? It's going to be used. It's going to be used by God. Here's separation in the Old Testament. And then, before the sacrifice came, they would go through those who had been, had been set aside, and they would find the ones without spot and without blemish. And then, once again, there is a second separating of those lambs. What is God showing us? He's showing us the Old Testament sacrifice that he's referring to in verse 1. And he says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. You see, God is demanding separation in order to have service. He says, look, if you want to serve me, find your now. It begins with holiness. Go back to the Garden of Eden. What was Eve's problem? She couldn't separate from what God said no about. God says yes to everything that was there. It's like our kids, huh? That one thing we tell them not to do, they're going to do it. Why? Because they inherited the same sin nature that you have because they got it from you. And we got it from our great-great-grandparents, Adam and Eve. It's there, that desire to be attracted to what we can't have. And all the fall of man, you could tie it directly back to separation. Someone said this, there's no detour to holiness. Jesus came to the resurrection through the cross, not around it. He came through the cross, not around it. There had to be a sacrifice. Something, someone had to die. Now, it's the same way for us. In order for us to fulfill the will of our Father, he's calling us to be a living sacrifice. There's no way around holiness in our service to God. You can't do it. Can you go through the motions? Absolutely. Can you even do better than somebody? You may even be more talented than somebody, but you can go through the motions without the power of God and have no results. Why? Because God says, this is what I demand. I demand holiness. We know 2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from among them and be ye separate. Think about that dog. Think about that dog. That dog knew where he was supposed to go. He knew where he needed to be. He desired to be there, but he's got to drop the stick. You're saying, what a dumb dog. What a dumb dog. That dog just sitting there backing up. Kaboom, kaboom. I mean, it probably hurt his teeth, you know? Kaboom, kaboom. You're like, dog, drop the stick. Come on, this is not rocket scientist science. And yet, I wonder how often you might be like me. I have a stick in my mouth. I'm like, God, I want to go this direction. I know where you're calling. I know what you desire, and I'm going to go about doing it, and I just keep running. and say, God, I just have something stopping me. God says, yeah, it's called holiness. you got to get rid of the stick. That's what's keeping you from moving forward. I fear tonight that a lot of us are going to be found just like that dog, standing at the foot of that bridge, waiting to get across when Jesus comes, all because we were trying to serve God by bypassing holiness. Number one tonight, holiness readies us for service. But then notice the second thing. He says, I beseech you, therefore, now what does he call them? He calls them brethren. That's very important. Every word in here is supposed to be in here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So these are fellow believers. Could we surmise that? These are fellow believers. These are people, watch closely, who've made a profession of faith. He's speaking to brethren. This is important. Now, he's telling them, you've made a profession. Now move on and do what the Bible says at the end of verse 2. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Watch. He says, all right, brethren, you've made a profession. Now it's time for you to prove what you profess in your life. Now, this is where we get in uncharted territory 
in Christianity in 2022. The profession is enough, right? Profession's enough. I'm in a profession of faith. I've got my fire insurance. I don't need to do anything else. No, he's telling them, brethren, you have made a profession. Now go on and prove what your profession says. How do you do that? Holiness. Holiness is how we prove what we profess. That's number two. Holiness reinforces our service. Holiness reinforces our service. It's one thing to make a statement of faith. It's another thing to make a stance for faith. Let that sink in. It's one thing to make a statement of faith. Anybody and his brother could come up here tonight and say, hey, I want you to know I trusted Christ as my Savior. And that's wonderful that they're making a statement of faith. But you know, it's a whole other ballgame when you take a stance for your faith. That means the faith and what took place in your heart, much like baptism, all of a sudden starts generating a different behavior in my life. I'm saying, hey, I got born again. Hey, I am a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. All right, how do we prove that? Holiness. A holy proving, the Bible says in verse number two. Matthew 5, 16, we know this well. Let your light so shine before men that may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Interesting. Interesting. The Bible's talking about our light, who we are now in Christ, that I let my light shine. And I love the fact that he included the words before men. Why? Your salvation should go beyond you. There's people who need to see what we have. How do they see what we have? Well, brother, that's why we have bumper stickers, amen? I got a Christian T-shirt and a WWJD bracelet, and I got a tattoo of a cross on my arm just to prove it. That's not what he's getting at. Our light is the difference in our... What were we? We were in darkness. And the difference in our life should be light, and we're letting it shine before men. Why? Holiness reinforces our service. You know, a lot of us have been brethren. We have made this statement, I am a brethren. I am part of the family of God. What a wonderful profession, by the way, to be able to make. If we die right now, we know we're going to heaven. How awesome is that? The crazy world we're living in, nothing can happen to take away our salvation. How good is that? To know that and to have that nailed down. But you know, it's one thing to make a profession. and It's another thing to prove it. What did he say, verse 1? You're a brethren, all right? Your brethren, but here's what you do now. Move on. How do you do that? You prove it. How do you do that? Through holiness. First Peter 1.15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy, listen close, in all manner of conversation. Now, we know better, right? That word conversation doesn't just mean our conversation. So I talk about Jesus all the time, right? North Carolina, law, North Carolina lost the other night, but then they told me to say this. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. They lost. You know what we say? Bless your heart. You see, that's holy conversation. Bless your heart. Miss Robin, where are you at? Kansas pulled it off. Amen. Brother Nate, look, I don't, I don't dig in the spurs, but the Nate says, give Miss Robin a shout-out tonight. So there it is. I'm giving you a shout-out tonight. Bless your heart. We say, bless your heart about everything. You have a flat tire. Bless your heart. We're making our conversation holy. That's not what he's talking about. It says, be ye holy, for I am holy in all manner of conversation. That's lifestyle. That's lifestyle. That's not just a profession. That's a proving. He says, because I am holy, you should be holy. And that's how you prove your profession, through holiness. Years ago, I guess I was about seven years old, 1987, we lived in Vicksburg, Mississippi. And uh, they had a father and son lookalike contest at the Walmart at Pemberton Square Mall in Vicksburg. 
Well, me and my dad, I don't know if we still look alike, but we did back then. And I remember uh, my mom says, well, I'm going to enter y'all in the contest. And I think me and dad went along with it begrudgingly, but we did it for mom, right? And I remember she bought us matching shirts. She brushed our hair the same way. We sat side by side on the corner of the bed, and she took a photo of us and sent it in. And we won. We won. Father, and so they says, no doubt that you're his son. You look alike, man. You look just like him. They could tell there was a relation there because there were things that lined up in my life that were also in my dad's life. You see how this works? Be ye holy, for I am holy. He says, hey, do you want to reinforce the argument that you're really my child? Well, then be ye holy because I am holy. I hate to tell you this. A lot of us would not win a father and son look-alike contest with our heavenly father. We don't look like him. We don't act like him. We don't even sit close to him. And they hear our profession, that you're one of the brethren. And they look at our life, and they're like, no, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. You see... When we live a holy life, I'm not talking about being a Pharisee, all right? We always seem to use the exception as the rule of the Pharisee. Well, I just don't want to be a Pharisee. I promise you the odds are that's not going to be the problem you have to deal with. The problem's going to be becoming, well, I just don't want to become too holy. Can I calm you down? You're going to be all right. You're going to go kicking and screaming that far. You know, well, I just don't want to become too holy. Come on. Can we just be honest with each other? We know that's not our fight. The fight is turning loose of the flesh to get over here. I don't want to drop the stick. I'm kind of part. Like for some reason, that dog was partial to that stick. I don't know why, but he didn't want to turn it loose. And that stick was hindering him. In order for him to move forward, he had to drop the stick. Now, folks, when we start letting some things go that identified us with where we're from, and we start adopting things that identify where we're going, all of a sudden that holiness reinforces our service. Can I tell you this tonight in a, in a nice way and as honest as I can be? If you're not careful, your lifestyle will undermine your profession. Your lifestyle will undermine your profession. When we get into this place and, oh, what a miry clay and mud in a pit it is. We start splitting hairs on what's wrong. And while I'm not sure this is wrong, the Bible doesn't spell that out. You know, the Bible doesn't spell out the rapture either, but it's in there. You're not going to find the word rapture in there, but the rapture is in there. All right? If you really want to find it, it's in there. A lot of you are going to go home. You're going to be looking for the rapture. All right? It's in there. It's not in there. All right? So what does that mean? I'll explain it to you after the service. I don't have time tonight. We start splitting hairs on what is right and on what is wrong. But notice what the Bible says. The Bible says our, our standards should be what? Should be holy. That's our example. It's holy. Living a holy life is what associates us with a holy God. And we wonder why people don't want to hear what we have to say. It's because they know he's a holy God. Even lost people know he's a holy God. Wouldn't be much of a God if he wasn't holy, would he? I'm thankful we have a holy God. He's high and lifted up. Thanks be to God for that. He says, okay, you want to reinforce your service to where people really believe what you have to say? Be ye holy, for I am holy. Let them see some family resemblance. My mom, her maiden name is Myers. We jokingly say, or they have for years, and I just believed it because it's true, that the way you remember that is my ears. Myers, Myers. I've heard people say many times, you have those Myers. I'm like, yeah, I know, I've heard that before. Along with Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Yes, I heard that before. It's a family trait. 
and my dad were standing outside talking out of the hospital. My mom got out the other day, and I was standing out by his car, and I said, man, my, my head is starting to burn a little bit, you know? Am I going to get one of those Jewish things to put on my head? That's what I need. LSU one, right on top of my head. My dad said, sorry, it's the genetics. Me and my dad are still looking alike. I hope we stop right there, all right? His then took off from here. I hope mine, mine at least just stop where it's at right there. Family resemblance. Hey, is there any family resemblance? So let me tell you, I sing Amazing Grace going down the road. I sing it in class. I sing it amongst my coworkers. Hey, that's great. You're a profession. You're a brethren, all right? You're saying, hey, I'm a brethren. But what about your proving? You prove it through what? The Bible says you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. And by the way, not everything that is unholy is something necessarily that's wrong. Man, the air cut off on that one. It got quiet quick. Listen close. Oftentimes we fall into the trap of thinking that something has to be wrong for it to be unholy. Some of you are going to call me after church on this one. Can I ask you a question? What was wrong with Moses' shoes? Were they the wrong brand? Wrong style, wrong color. What was inherently wrong with Moses' shoes? Why did God say, get rid of the shoes? It wasn't that they were wrong. It's that they were unholy. And see, we, we soothe our conscience by saying, well, I have searched from cover to cover. That's the only time we search the Bible when we're trying to prove what we want to do is right. Cover to cover, and I can't find where that's wrong. That's not the standard. The standard is holy. Is it Holy. There's nothing wrong with Moses' shoes. They were just not holy. We all heard the term guilty by association. We don't want to be guilty by association. We want to be, we want to be confirmed to God and prove that we are who we are by our association. That, hey, you know what? There's nothing there's wrong with that. I just I want to make sure that they know I'm not what I used to be. I'm something different, and that's all because of the grace of God. I get to be holy because my Father's holy. We'll have to chew on that one for a while. We've got to move on, all right? Matthew 26, 73. We have Peter. Peter's being accused of being one of those with Christ. And listen to what the Bible says. Matthew 26, 73. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou, art, thou also art one of them. One of them. Boy, I've been called that before. Surely thou also art one of them. For thy speech bereath thee. That word means betrayeth. Now, whether they were talking about what he said or how he said, having a Galilean dialect, not exactly 100% sure, but she says, your speech betrays you that you're with him. So watch this. Something about Peter associated him with Christ. She says, your speech betrays you. Now, how wonderful would it be for us to be accused by our speech by our lifestyle, by our hobbies, by our habits, whatever it may be, that you know what? There's something different about you. you. You've been with him. Remember they took knowledge. They were ignorant and unlearned men. They took knowledge. They had been with Christ. They said, wait a minute, there's something about you, and it ain't you because you're ignorant and unlearned. I'm like, life's verse right there. I might be an ignorant and unlearned man, but I hope that people can look at my life and I could be guilty of being associated with Christ by the way I speak, by the way I live, by the way I act. I fail at it miserably. 
Brother Michael pulled up beside me in the fast lane the other day. I was in the slow lane. I'm doing better. He pulled up beside me and, and wanted to drag race going down 49. I said, Brother Michael, we can't do that on a main highway. We're Christians. We do that on the back road. You know, that's what Christians do on the back road uh, back there. Find a gravel pit or something, you know. And uh, he pulled up beside me, and I said, no, no, no. And then he got right back behind me. I, said, I texted him while I was driving. Pa- apologize, but I'm behind the pulpit, so I tell the truth. I texted him and I said, you could have went on ahead. I wouldn't have gotten mad. I says, I'm a reformed, impatient driver. And he texted me back. He says, are you really? I said, for the time being. For the time being. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard doing, living, speaking. Look, it's hard living a life that associates us with Christ. But that's what we're called to. That is our service, okay? Our lifestyle of holiness, not because of ourselves. We're ignorant and unlearned, but because of what Christ did for us. Our lifestyle says, hey, look what Jesus did for me. We are no different than the woman at the well. None of us. I don't care if you were born in a Christian home, went to a Christian school, saved in a Christian church. It doesn't matter. We're all lost just like the woman at the well. And all of us leave the well running into town saying, hey, come see, come see, come see. And the difference in us. What did the Bible say? For the saying of the woman. There was something different about that girl. She was acting different. Her spirit was different. And that's what led them to Christ. You see, her The difference in her life reinforced the service that she had toward God. I want to show you this. I was trying to decide if I was going to show it to you or not, but I am. Brother Micah, I think it was Brother Micah. Brother Micah, give me these socks. Brother Micah gave me these socks. People give me socks. I'm so thankful. I I love you folks for giving me so many wonderful. I don't have to wear a different pair of socks every day of the year. And I was digging in the basket tonight, getting a different pair. You know, you get in that just, you know into that mechanicalness of getting just the pair off the top. No, I want to live life to the fullest. I dig down to the bottom. I dug down to the bottom. The Lord wanted me to find these. Brother Micah gave me these. And it says, if you can read this on the bottom, if you can read this, bring me a Coke Zero. I'm going to wear them tonight, Miley. Sitting on the couch. If you can read this, bring me a Coke Zero. And I thought to myself, no joke, this just, just happened today. Real-time illustration right here, okay? The Lord, it's, it's inspired, no doubt. It's anointed. I'm sure it is. I said, I'm going to wear these tonight. But then I got to thinking, wait a minute. The only way you could see them is if I took my shoes off. I can't do that, you know. I'm a weirdo getting up here. I said, you know, I, there's a really neat message on the bottom. If you can read this, bring me a Coke Zero. But the only way you could read the message was to take my shoes off. And I, trust me, especially you people here on the front, you'd appreciate the fact that I don't take my shoes off. And the Holy Spirit's like, ding, 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 you get it. Boy, we have a really good message to share. But oftentimes it's covered up by something we need to let go of, something we need to pull off. God says, that's hiding your message. It's hiding your message. Years ago, my mom prayed for this man for about 20 years. His name was Patrick Dale Clark. Miss Deborah knows him or knew him. He's in heaven, so I guess you still know him. He got saved, and buddy, when he got it, he got it. Started coming to our church. He was my soul winning buddy one day. And we finished soul, soul winning in Prentice, and I said, uh, Brother Dale, I need to stop and get a haircut. And, and he said, well, I, he had a raspy voice. I'm just going to stay out here and witness to some of these guys. I said, you go for it, man. You go for it. I go in to get my hair cut. I walk out. It's no joke. He's standing there with a tract in his hand. 
He's talking to these guys, just telling them, man, about what happened to him and the change in his life. No exaggeration for all. And look, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm telling you the story. It's exactly what it was. He said, he's telling them about all this with a cigarette in his hand. I said, Dale, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm just talking to him. I said, no, no, you're, you're telling him about how changed you are and showing him how changed you're not, that you're still dealing with that. Now, we all deal with stuff, do we not? Amen. Uh, but I want to encourage you, if you're witnessing to somebody, it's best not to be dealing with that while you're witnessing to them. Why? Because your unholiness is going to undermine the message. There's some things you better leave behind and move on from in order to reinforce the message that we serve a God who can make old things pass away. Behold, all things become new if you want your message to really be clear. Number two, holiness reinforces our service. And then finally, What's the hang-up? The hang-up's holiness. Right out of the gate. All right, I want to be a living sacrifice. That's what I want to do. All right, what's the first thing I need to do? He says, all right, be holy. You're like, screeching halt. For too many of us, I believe that's too much to ask. I really do. Wait a minute now. That's too much to ask. To let my Christianity permeate my life? I mean, look, I already let God have my Sunday mornings at 11. And I'm working toward becoming a super Christian, letting him have 10, but not five, and definitely not on Wednesday night. You want me to let holiness permeate my life? Yeah, what did he say? Be holy, for I am holy in all manner. What does the word all mean? It means every area, all manner of our conversation. First Peter 1.15, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Holiness absolutely is invasive. It's going to invade your whole life, or it should. But notice this, number three. The Bible says at the end of verse one, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Number three, notice this. Holiness is our reasonable service. It's a reasonable service. Now, it's amazing. We see holiness as unreasonable, don't we? You want me to surrender over my DVD player or my playlist to holiness and let God go through there and sort out what doesn't need to be there? Absolutely, in all manner of conversation. Oh, good grief. You know how much I paid for all those 3,000 songs? It's just too much to ask. You know what you're saying? Unreasonable. It's unreasonable to let God dictate my schedule and my life. It's unreasonable to let God uh, dictate my mind and my thoughts. That's just unreasonable. And yet God says, and I'm going to take his word for it over mine, God says it's a reasonable service. The word reasonable is the Greek word logikos, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. L-O-G-I-K-O-S. What does that look like to you? Logikos. It's where we get our word logical. Logical. God says when he calls you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to be ye separate. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Why? That's part of that reasonable service. He says that's just the logical thing to do. And you're thinking, What? What? Giving up stuff, dropping all the sticks that I've been collected in my life, give up all of that, and to be separate, to be called a weirdo and an outcast, and, and, and you're saying that's reasonable, that's logical? Yeah, you see, the way you understand that is through the mind of Christ. If you don't let holiness permeate your mind, then yeah, you're saying that's illogical. But why is it reasonable? Why is it logical to be holy? Here's your answer, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
what happened. Christ is and was holy. He came down and was made sin so that I could be made holy. He went through all the work. Holy, look, holiness is work, living a holy life, that's work. He went through all of that. The Bible says that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ became sin so that I could become holy. He said, that's why it's logical. I'm not asking you to live a perfect, sinless life. I'm not asking you to hop up on a cross and die. I'm not asking you to be raised from the dead. That's a dying sacrifice. He said, he took care of that. I'm calling you to be a living sacrifice. Watch this, watch this. You have two choices. All right, you and Jesus are standing there. Your redemption's on the line. Somebody's got to die and be the dying sacrifice. Somebody's got to be a living sacrifice. And you know you should pick the dying one because that's what we deserve. But you don't want to pick it because you don't want to die. Jesus says, I'll take it. All that's left is to be the living sacrifice. You're thinking, well, if he's going to take the dying sacrifice part, it seems only reasonable that I take the living sacrifice part. That's why it's reasonable. The Bible tells us, goes on in Isaiah 64, 6. We know this, but listen to it in context of, of, of Romans 12. But we are all as an unclean thing, all of our righteousness as filthy rags, and we do all fade as a leaf. Our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Our righteousness as filthy rags, and yet now we get to be holy because of what Jesus did. If he went through all of that, and I can exchange my filthy rags, if I came to you tonight, I said, look, I want you to take those old, worn out, tattered work clothes you got. I want to buy you a brand new set. It won't cost you a dime. All you have to do is trade in the old ones for the new ones. You bring me the old ones, I'll give you the new ones. Seems reasonable. Seems reasonable. That's what Christ is saying. That's why it's logical. That's why it is a reasonable service to God. I'll give you one more before we close. Hebrews 9, 24. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the truth. Listen to this. But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. I could not live a holy life. My righteousness was as filthy rags. Jesus did it for me, went and stood before the presence of God, sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat for me. In the presence of God, the most important two words are the last two in verse 24, for us. If he would do that for me, then being a living sacrifice, oh, absolutely, that's reasonable. God, you want access to my, what I watch on television? Oh, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. You want access to my music? That's, that's perfectly reasonable. God, you want me to separate myself from some people? The Bible does say that. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. The Bible says, hey, separate yourself from that. You're thinking, man, that's just unreasonable. And yet you realize what he did, separating himself from his father. We can never imagine what it meant to Christ to sit on that cross and, hear the, and to utter the words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was separated from his father all alone for the first time in all of eternity. And he says, I just want you to separate from things you don't need to be around. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. That's the logical thing for you and I to do. Folks, and I, I believe that a lot of us get hung up on holiness. We know what we need to do. We want to get to the end of verse 1, to where we are fulfilling a reasonable service, our now. And yet right out of the gates, we get hung up on being holy. Remember this, number one tonight, holiness readies us for service. You will not go around holiness. 
You want to serve God? You'll not get around holiness. You've got to be holy. You've got to be willing to purge yourself. doesn't mean perfect, okay? Let's quit throwing out the exception and making it the rule. We're not saying being perfect. It is saying being holy. So I'm going to try to live, as best of my knowledge, separated from that. There are so many times before I get up to preach, I kneel down at my office. Sometimes the reason I'm late is because I've been spending a little bit extra time. I kneel down right behind my desk by the bookcase, and I'm making sure there's nothing in there. An unkind word to my wife, an unkind thought towards somebody, an impatient thought on the highway, an unholy thought. Maybe it was a slothful uh, action of not doing the will of God, maybe not going soul winning. I don't know. I had to make sure. Why? Because when I get behind this pulpit, I'm serving God, and I can't serve him if I'm not holy. I've got to make sure I'm right. It readies us for service, but then it reinforces our service. Maybe the reason you're not having a whole lot of success is because your profession hasn't been proven through holiness. That's how we prove it. Hey, there's something different about you. And all of a sudden, they start thinking about your father. Man, you're acting like one of those religious people. Hey, I've been called a whole lot worse. In the end, no matter how hard it is, it's reasonable. He gave his life. He says, look, I don't want you to go die. I just want you to be a living sacrifice. What's the old adage? And it's so true. The the toughest part about being a living sacrifice is we can crawl off the altar. I crawl off the altar a lot, don't you? Sunday mornings, man, you go home, I'm going to be a living sacrifice. By nighttime, the altar's empty. I done took off something shiny of the world's done distracted me away. I don't know about you. I want to serve God now but we're not going to do it without holiness. So let's make sure tonight, as David, search me, oh God. Hey, if there's anything wicked, anything that needs to get rid of, if I got a stick in my mouth, Lord, help me to drop it tonight. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.